T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Ah, well, we don't play that song too often, Ray Dinger, but today is the day that we pull it out of the closet. There you go. It is a huge day in Philadelphia 76ers land for the franchise and the fans. How you doing, Ray Dinger? I'm doing fine. How are you? Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, And we are currently just, wow, eight hours, I believe, if my math is correct, from tip-off to the... 2022 NBA playoffs. Four seeded Sixers. Uh, what are they? 51 and 31. Set to face the fifth seed of Toronto Rappers. Opening round, game one, best of seven, Wells Fargo Center. Ray, it's been, it was four years of tanking, followed by four years of making the playoffs and kind of going out earlier than the fans wanted to. And so, Ray, is this finally the payoff year? Ray, what's your mindset? Payoff meaning what? Payoff meaning you give them a good run. Oh, I thought you meant a parade. Well, well, let's, you know, baby steps. Take it one step at a time? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's going to be a struggle. If anything, if what we've seen over the last few weeks means anything, um, you have to think that the, that the whole playoff run is going to be a struggle starting from, starting from tonight. Yeah. You know, if opening round... You know, you hope you get a breather. You hope you get a team that's not too tough that you can dust off in four or five games, just sort of sharpen up and get ready for the real competition. But the real competition is here, and it's going to be here for this team the whole postseason drive because right now they're not playing championship basketball. You know, and I guess you know I've I've heard a lot of people over the last few days because they're so invested in this, and because like you said, all the tanking was meant to lead up to a moment that was going to bring us a championship. So a lot of people are trying to convince themselves, I think, that oh, what happened the last couple of weeks, these few really bad games and some discouraging losses, and that doesn't really mean anything because, you, know, you know, tonight, 6 o'clock, they flip the switch. You know, Doc Rivers suddenly remembers how to run a bench. Um, James Harden turns back the clock and becomes Houston James Harden, and Joel Embiid stakes his claim to why he should be the MVP, and all's well with the world, and I... I'd like to think it's going to be that simple, but I kind of don't think it's going to be. Well, I think I, I generally agree with you. Um, just uh, let me give people some background, and then we'll get into kind of breaking it down. By the way, 215-592-9494, if you'd like to join us today, we'll tell you everything that's going on in our show between now and one. A lot, a lot of good fun features that we have. But um, the Raptors beat the Sixers twice, late season matchups. They won three out of four during the season, you put a lot of stock in that. Um, yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I do. I think. That, I think. That, you know, I think. I think. No, I think Toronto is good. You know, I. Okay. I don't think. I mean, sometimes you can look at um, the schedule, and it's when you play a team, and you know, maybe it's at the end of a long road trip, or you're catching them between tough games, and you look past them. Yada yada yada. We've heard all that before, but then. Then you'd look if if you really want to be serious about it. Then you look at the matchups. How does this? How does your team match up with that team? And the fact of the matter is, the Sixers don't match up well with this team, at least oh, in my yeah. opinion. I think it's problematic. I do. Uh, also, the you know, it's the, the hey, Sixers four. They got the home court advantage. Four versus five really isn't a big deal. Uh, the history of the league tells you that it's not a huge advantage. Uh, I'm going to get into some of the specifics coming up in a second. I will say it, it's interesting that you say you've heard in the last few days people kind of thinking the Sixers are are. If I heard you correctly, the people are pretty optimistic about that. It seems to have turned around. I mean, it seems oh, okay. like early in the week. No, okay. no, no. Early in the week, 
to the middle of the week, like when I was on with Joe and John, um, it was actually fairly pessimistic. Um, but then over the last, I'd say the last 48 hours, um, I'm starting to hear more positivity. And some of it coming from the national media. Some of the national media who I kind of thought were going to be picking this. Everybody's looking for the upset if, if five over four is really that much of an upset. I'm not sure it is. But everybody's kind of looking to pick a, a surprise game, a surprise series. And I've seen some of the national people say, you know, they're, they're going Sixers here. So they're going against what had earlier in the week seemed to be conventional wisdom. So from that standpoint, from in terms of public opinion, national media opinion, it seems to be swinging around later in the week that more people are think, looking at the matchup, looking at the teams and saying, yeah, the Sixers are better. Okay, because I sensed earlier in the week, yes, the fans are more nervous than overconfident. And I think the way the season came down the stretch kind of opened up a lot of fans' eyes that, oh, there, there are some problems here. There are some shortcomings with this team, and maybe you put the coach right at the top of the list. Um, you know, everybody is hoping, 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 hoping that we get a really fun, long, prolonged stretch here. Or the alternative is agony. Uh, I will say I'm going to start with the with the optimistic. The optimistic spin says this is Embiid's moment. Mm-hmm. He has had a great year. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He has had a chip on his shoulder. The the MVP chip looms about fifty pounds. And you know, while I think there may be too much focus on that, hey, if it works as motivation, that's great. I think we all agree that this year's playoffs, more than anything, is about how far Embiid can carry them. He's never had that defining playoff moment, that series, you know, that season that clarifies his greatness. The optimistic spin says, okay, now the stage is set for Joel. You with me so far? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a big part of it. Yes, I agree. Okay. The flip side of that is he's got to do a lot of things, including – and I'll, I clearly think this, he's got to outplay the disadvantage the team has at coach. Um, I think Nick Nurse is a much more positive factor than Doc Rivers. I think if they say these things are about matchups, I trust Nick Nurse out there who's always moving things around, switching things, thinking ahead of the game, thinking outside the box, real top-flight coach. I know that Doc Rivers may have made a list recently of the 15 best coaches in NBA career. I don't know that he's one of the 15 best coaches in the NBA right now. I think that Toronto has a big advantage there. Ray Dinger? I agree. All right. Well, there's one. Two. Sixers talents. Sixers have talent. They have a lot of talent, but it's top-heavy. It's Embiid. It's Harden. It's Tyrese Maxey. It's Tobias Harris. We'll get into the specifics of those guys. And sometimes that's a great advantage. I think over the course of seven games, depth can matter. The Raptors are more balanced. Again, Nick Nurse has more options than Doc Rivers. I think the lack of bench strength, and you can specifically play, say, you know, the big man, when Embiid sits down, the big man may play 10 minutes. But if that big man is as poor as what the Sixers have had so far, uh, in the paint in those 10 minutes, that's some trouble. I agree. All right. Well, right. This, is going, this is going easier than I thought. Uh, okay, next. Um, I don't know that Tobias Harris is the guy that we always thought he was. Um, I think Tobias Harris is somebody who has to have a big series, and I have not seen that moment in the playoffs before. And I don't have a lot of confidence based on what I saw in him this season that he's going to be the guy to rise to do it. Yeah, uh, you need in a series like this and in every series moving forward, if indeed they move forward. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to I mean, nobody's going to expect or at least I certainly don't expect that he's going to be the guy that's going to put it on his shoulders and carry him. He's not that player. He's a good player, um, but he's not to me. He's not a postseason difference making player. You know, he's you know, they over. I think we all recognize at this point that they overpaid to get him, uh, but that's beside the point. What, what you, what, that's in the past. What matters is the here and the now. And they're going to need a couple times during this series for him to hit big shots in the fourth quarter, not, not take over the game, but in a big spot, because I think it's going to be a lot of close games. I don't think anybody's going to run away from anybody in any of these games. So the fourth quarter, every possession is going to matter, and if he gets an open look, 
from the corner to shoot a three, he's got to make it. You know, he doesn't have to score 40, but he has to score the big baskets in the big moments. That's what we have to see from him. Yeah, okay. Uh, next, I probably should have put this one a little bit higher. When they got James Harden, and we saw those first couple of games, we thought, finally, finally, there's the second guy along with Embiid, so the pressure's not always on Embiid. James Harden is the guy, one of the top players in the NBA, Hall of Famer, still great. What we have seen over the course of the last month gives you fear that Harden, and I, I certainly don't want to say that he's cooked, but is no longer an elite player, is no longer the guy that, that can win the game for you. I don't know if it's, you know, I worry if his hamstrings are okay. Maybe we'll discover he's just been pacing himself over these last 10 games, and now that it's the playoffs, you bring the bell and he's out there. But I, I don't know if he's not just an aging superstar kind of quickly sliding down the cliff. Um, I certainly share that concern. I don't think you and I are alone in that. I, I think that this week having a little rest will undoubtedly help. Um, I think, and we've talked the last couple of weeks with Derek Bodner and uh, Keith Pompey, um, you know, and I've asked the question, are we looking at James Harden, a guy who's just playing through an injury, which I, th I clearly think he is, or is it the more dire co consequence that maybe we're just looking at a guy at 32 who's just breaking down and isn't, isn't that same player anymore? And I think the answer probably is it's a little bit of both. You know, I think he probably is not the James Harden he was when he was playing in Houston winning scoring titles. But you combine that with what I think is still an, a, a painful hamstring. You know, he's, he is not what he was when he first got here. When, he was, when his play was dynamic, it really was. Yeah. Um, but it's gone steadily downhill. And I just, I know the Sixers fans are all saying it's the playoffs. You know, he's going to, you know, as they say, flip the switch. And he's going to come out and he's going to play great. And he's going to play like he played when he first got here. Uh, the postseason energy, the adrenaline, all that stuff's going to kick in. And that's going to make all the difference. I, I, I don't know that it's that simple. I don't know that it's that simple. He'll, I don't think he's going to continue to struggle the way he's been struggling to this point. I expect him to play better. But for this team to, win this series and really, as you said, quote-unquote, make a run, he's going to have to play like he played those first half dozen games when he came to the Sixers, and I just don't know if right now he's capable of doing that. All right, one more issue, uh, and this one kind of came to light in the last couple of weeks. Uh, your best defensive player, your stopper, one of your five starters, a guy who's extremely important to the team, Matisse Thibel, will not be able to play those road games in Toronto because he is not fully vaccinated. It was his choice to make. It certainly does not help the team. In a very, very close series where you are looking for any little edge or something to turn the tide, the fact that he can't play in two or three of those games, that worries me. You lose one of those games. One of those games turns in the balance because you can't get the defensive stop because you don't have your right guy out there able to be on the court, and that flips the whole series. Right? It could be enough. And that part really scares me. Yeah, I mean, I think the games in Toronto were going to be difficult anyway. Um, but not having Thibel makes them <laughs> that much more difficult. I mean, it's when you lose him and he's, you know, he's your best defender. He's certainly your best perimeter defender. Um, and if you don't have him to, to play the three-point line, and especially up in Toronto, I think that's really going to be a problem. I think it's going to make that... I think it's going to make it very hard for them to win on the road in this series. I think it. I think it, losing him for those three games is going to be a huge X factor. I mean, this could turn out to be a total homer series where the Sixers win them all at home and they lose them all on the road. And if that's the case, good. Then you got the seventh yeah, game at home and you advance. But um, I think the three games in Toronto, which were going to be difficult anyway, without Thibel, become significantly more difficult. Yeah. Okay. So. So, we're, so in, in, essence, we're, in essence, I think we're in agreement right down the line. I think we may be, which makes me a little bit nervous. I will say the Sixers can and will win if Embiid plays out of his mind. We've seen him do it, mm -hmm. right? He's going to mm -hmm. do it consistently. And if a guy whose name we didn't bring up yet, Tyrese Maxey, uh, as a young guy, you know, really getting his first opportunity to shine in a playoff series, is as good as we have seen him in some of those games and if James Harden can turn the Wayback Machine so that he's suddenly 29 years old. And Doc Rivers sits on the bench and <laughs> doesn't get in the way. Right. 
<laughs> and you don't have to play your bench. Well, that's, that's pretty. How you win, I guess, yeah. right? Well, it's a pretty long checklist, but I think if all of those, if I mean, if you check all of those boxes, then you probably win, and then you probably move on. I just don't know that checking them is going to be as easy as just talking about it. All right, Ray. Well, it means that you and I have to make our predictions, and I love doing this uh, as part of the show, and I love the fact that our job allows us to kind of walk that line between being hardcore analysts and fans and it's a fine line sometimes mm -hmm. and as you know i usually move toward the the side of fan we'll talk about the phillies coming up okay but you know that i'll generally lean that way right i've been picked against over the years i've been doing this for 30 how many years i've been doing this well, it'll be 30 years at the end of this year mm -hmm. i've probably picked against the eagles in the playoffs like once okay mm-hmm I often lead with my heart. I would love to lead with my. Well, heart. you didn't. You didn't. No, you didn't pick them to beat Tampa Bay this year, did you? No. Okay. Yeah, maybe that was the once. Um, but I do often lead with my heart. I know that. I know I can be guilty of that, but that's okay. That's part of the fun of doing it. I can lead with my heart. I'm saying I'm saying Raptors in six or seven. I think I will be delighted if the Sixers win the series. I would not bet a penny on the Sixers winning the series. I don't have faith for all the things we said. I would be thrilled to be proved wrong, but I honestly have to sit here on this Saturday morning, the 16th of April, and say, I think Toronto wins the series, and I'm hoping that you will disagree with me. Uh, I can't for uh, the simple reason that I've already picked Toronto. Oh. <laughs> so, I've, you know, I'm, I'm not going to... You were on earlier in the week? Yeah, I was on with Joe and John, and... Um, they asked me to make a prediction at that point. Um, and I kind of said what you said. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for the Sixers. I want to see them make a deep run. I want to see them carry this season on. And I'd love to see them win a championship. I think it would be exciting. I think it would be great for the franchise. I think it would be great for the city. And I've, you know, and I've been a big Embiid guy. I think that, you know, I, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to win the MVP. I think he should. I don't think he will. But... If it's all said and done and he's the guy riding down Broad Street holding up the trophy, who cares? You know, so I, I, that's how I would like to see it turn out. But I – and the whole last week of regular season, I, the one thing I kept thinking was I don't want, to, I don't want Toronto. I really if – if there was some way this could have worked out that they could have played another team, if they could have played Chicago, if it could have worked out any other way, I just think this is – I just think, again, I think this is a really bad matchup for them. And, and – the Thibel factor to me is huge, the three games in Toronto. I think it's going to be a grinding series. As I said, I think every game is going to be close. I don't think there's going to be anything one-sided here. I think every game is going to be fought into the fourth quarter. But it's all said and done. I, I think Toronto wins. I really do. Yeah, well, we'll start to learn tonight, 6 o'clock. You know, the Sixers blow them out by 20 tonight. I'll be back tomorrow telling you that uh, I, I flip-flop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, well you've, done, you've done that before. Sure, why not? Speaking of which, Ray, speaking of bad predictions, I the Phillies may not go 162-0, I'm afraid. I think that's already been determined. It was a week ago that they were just ripping the ball all over the ball yard, and I was feeling great. They won the first two games of the year against a terrible franchise, but I thought, hey, this is it. Got some starting pitching. Bullpen looks good. They're crushing the ball. Well, Ray, since you and I last met, they are 1-5, including they, they lose 7-1 to to the Marlins yesterday. They yeah. have now lost four in a row to the Marlins and the Mets, the teams in the division that you got to beat, the mm -hmm. teams that, that last year they couldn't beat. the. Since the start of 2020, the Phillies are 6-13 and 13 in Miami. It's ridiculous. You can't do that. No, you can't. And they can't hit the ball. Ray, say something brilliant. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber? No, you, you know were, he got a home run his yeah, first yeah, bat. Yeah, you were talking. He took that first swing of the bat. You sort of you just all of a sudden you saw Babe Ruth waddling around the bases. <laughs> I saw waddling. Yeah, you. I mean, you you totally you totally lost your head with that one swing of the bat. No, I did not. I've yes, seen, you did. I've, right, I've seen, hold on. First of all, Kyle Quinn has something he wants to play, so let's get that out of the way. The pitch. Sanchez swings and rips it fair past the dive of Hoskins down into the right field corner. And Sanchez again driving Cooper in. Sanchez trying for third. Here's the relay by Stott, and it's not in time. This is Alan Porter, although Johan Camargo says he thinks he got him. Yeah, he didn't get him. No. Sloppy defense. 
Um, well, so at least we both agreed on that at the outset. Yeah, even, we, well, as, I, as delirious as you were about the Phillies starting the season, even you didn't go so far as to say. And you know they're much improved defensively. No, that wasn't going to be. Uh, Kyle Schwarber did hit a home run in his first at bat as a Philly. He is uh, he's he's one for his last twenty eight. Schwarber and Bryce Harper are combined seven for sixty one with twenty three strikeouts. You know what that says to me, Ray? What's that? They're due. Oh, is that what it says? Oh yeah, today turns around today. And I don't know. I, I you know. And I, Matt Veerling is going to he's going to turn into Mike Trout tomorrow. No, right? Matt Veerling is not Mike Trout. Oh, okay. I mean, I know what these. Kyle Schwarber is a guy who's a proven frontline major league player. He's been that. He's just you know not playing well. Anyway, it's not looking that good. I just I I wanted to. Um, I guess give you the opportunity to laugh at me. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I am. But uh, um, I'm not I, laughing, comma. He said. He said. He said. He said laughing. Um, no, I mean, listen, I got to tell you that I was not as over the moon about the team as you were to start the season, but, um, if they hit a rough patch, I certainly didn't expect it to look like this. I certainly didn't expect them to lose by not being able to hit. You know, I thought that with the lineup that they had and you look at it on paper, you say, well, this team's going to score runs. Now, do they have really good pitching? Frankly, I don't think so. I'm still not sold on the bullpen and the defense is beyond atrocious. So that's all out there. But I thought, yeah, they'll lose games for those reasons, but they're not going to lose games because they can't hit. Well, right now they're in a stretch where they can't hit. Now, I don't think that's going to be true over 162 games. You've got too many good professional hitters in the lineup for that to happen. But um, I'm, going to, I'm going to raise another issue here. It's, oh, there's more. Well, one to, glaring one to me. What? Can Aaron Nola still pitch? No, that's a real concern. Yeah, that's, that's too... <sighs> Two, well, you know, he the, the last start was just terrible, and he couldn't find his control. The one before that, he did the thing where, like, he's good till he's not good. The manager should have pulled him out. But Aaron Nola, uh, Aaron Nola is the guy who, what was it, 2018, it's like, hey, we finally got our one starter, and then it's like, well, maybe he's a two. And then going into this year, like, you know what? He's a nice, solid three. He's a good third starter. Right. He's moving down the number week by week. He, with, he's, moving, he's moving down a notch every start. Yeah, I know. It's a concern. Yeah, I mean, because you, you really thought, at, at one time, I think we're all past the point that he's ever going to be the ace. You know, I think that, that ship has sailed. But you're thinking, yeah, I think he can be a functional, you know, maybe he can be a pretty solid two, or at, at the very least a good three. Right now, I'm not sure what he is. Yeah. But I, I know this, he's not good. No, he has lost himself, and it's been a long time since he's found himself. And uh, the, the hope that it would come early this year is, does not appear to be. Within possibility. All right, so that was two depressing things. Yeah, the show really will was. not be depressing. Let's we hope promise. not. Coming up on the show, as we move forward, the Ray Dinger College Draft Preview, as we are now, what, two weeks? Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. Yeah, we're like 10, 11 days from the draft. Ray, what are you going to review today? Uh, I'm going to look at a position that you're probably not going to see called upon on opening night. Probably you know, Thursday night, round one, you're probably going to go by without one of these guys being picked. But I will tell you, it's a good crop. They're not going to go high, but once you start dipping into it, you're going to find it's a pretty nice well, and that's the running backs. Oh, okay. Sweet. Looking forward to that. This week in Philadelphia sports history, brought to you by Scheib Sports, is going to relive a notorious draft moment. People can probably guess what that is going to be. Derek Bodner, the aforementioned NBA expert, is going to join us at 11. He'll help us tee up Sixers-Raptors tonight. And coming up, oh, I got, by the way, guess what I got for what we're watching today, Ray? Uh, let me guess. It's a, a British spy show. Yes. It's a I, British cop drama. How did a I new know? one. I love it. How did I know? Oh, come on. They're great. It's, it is. It's a good one. And at noon, tell us your story. We went to our pal Ross Tucker and Ray. Th it's a really fun one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong interviewing a Princeton guy, right? I mean, you just can't. <laughs> that wasn't my thing. Was, I wasn't going to lead with that. Well, I think that's a significant part of the story is how you find your way from being an undrafted free agent from Princeton to a seven-year NFL playing career to a position of being a very highly thought of and extremely visible NFL analyst. So uh, yeah, I think Ross Tucker has a pretty good story, and he was certainly fun to talk to. A lot of fun to talk to. So that's coming up at noon. And we will take your calls. 215-592-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. You already know United Tire delivers value and expertise. But now they're also delivering hope. 
Right now, a portion of purchases made at United Tire will help those in desperate need in Ukraine via the United Way. With locations across the Delaware Valley, you can trust you're getting the best deal on the industry's most trusted tires while helping those displaced in Ukraine. United Tire, united for Ukraine. Remember, don't drive alone, drive united. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Right in your Glenn Mack now. It is Saturday morning on 94 WIP. Sixers, Raptors tonight. Six, uh, a little bit after 6 o'clock is the tip-off. Jim wants to discuss it. Jim, what are you thinking? Hey, Ray. Glenn. Yep. Yeah, how are you? Um, I had a couple of three points I wanted to bring up and see if I can get your opinions back on them. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, are you there? Okay. Yeah, yeah we got the you. MVP, the MVP, like, I think it's so overrated when, like, you're really splitting hairs, and I, it really bothers me, and I don't know if you feel the same, that the players, especially when you're in the playoffs and you're worried about whether you're getting an MVP award, and it, it is really splitting hairs between one player and another. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think there's I, been a little too much importance on it. I, I I don't like it when players themselves talk about it. We can talk about it. Fans can talk about it. Analysts can talk about it. But in my mind, players should pretend they don't care, even if they care. Yeah, even that. The Sixers just it just bothers me when even players worry about that stuff. Um, also, with the Sixers, I think Embiid and Harden are key. I mean, they're they're it. If they have their good series, we can we can go as far as we can go. But if, if they don't, it's, it's pretty obvious. But um, so people talk about Maxi and the bench and everything else. But really, it comes down to Embiid's got to play the way Embiid plays, and Harden has to play the way he should play. Well, seven-game series, a lot of things come into effect. If Embiid is a monster, they can win on that. If, if Harden is a great series, they can. But I think it's going to be more complicated. And what was your third point? My third point is with the draft, and this is a little more obscure. The, I really believe when you're in a draft, is the quarterback is the most valued position. And I just think if a quarterback is there, they grab the quarterback. I'm not, I kind of go to the quarterback factory route. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get your opinion on it. Because if you grab a quarterback, you may not get the dividends now because you don't have the player you want on your roster now. But mm-hmm. the Eagles aren't in that position. But All if right. you, have you know what? I'm going to put it to Ray a different way. And, Jim, thanks for the call. Have, have a great day. Ray, if the Eagles pick comes up at 15, right? are there any quarterbacks who could possibly be available that you are Howie Roseman and you say, I can't pass? Uh, no, not this year. Not this year. I mean, I just don't think this is that class. Uh, And I think that's why, I think that's why Howie made the trade. Part one of the big reasons why he made the trade he made a couple weeks ago, which is trading one of this year's number ones for a number one next year to have two number ones next year. So that they decide at that point that now we really need to go get another quarterback. They'll have more options in a better quarterback draft, which figures to certainly be a better quarterback draft. I think that you know, the, the caller was right in the sense that teams are going to draft quarterbacks just because that's the way the draft works. Uh, but I honestly don't think 
there's a quarterback in this draft that to me warrants a top 10 pick. I just don't think it's one of those drafts. I think the best of them, I, and I've said this throughout most of the seasons, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, I think he's the best of them. He's got my highest grade. But, I mean, there are people that are really, really high on Malik Willis, the kid from Liberty. Um, I mean, I've had several people tell me last week they think he could go number two to Detroit. And I, and I think that's just an outrageous gamble. I mean, he has physical talent. You watch it. I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm. He can run. But he is so far away from being ready to play in the NFL. Um, coming out of a small school, you saw a couple times this year they stepped up in class. He had to play Ole Miss. He had to play Division One teams. And he looked lost. So if you're drafting him, you're drafting him as a total projection that you can coach him and mold him into an NFL quarterback. But it's going to take time. And guys like, right. that, guys like that, to me, aren't the t- second overall pick in the draft. Speaking of NFL and the draft, it is time for the Ray Dinger NFL Draft Preview. Yeah, well, we're less than two weeks away from the draft, so um, all eyes are going to be on uh, all eyes are going to be on that. Uh, I think this year the draft is in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Is that That's where they're doing it? Yeah, right. I thought. Okay, so um, I think I'm going to talk about running backs today, and you know, for years the conventional wisdom has been. You don't draft running backs in the first round. You just don't draft running backs in the first round. You start looking for running backs in rounds two, three, four, that, and you can find good players down there. And you don't have to look any further than South Philadelphia to know that's true. I mean, you get guys like Wilbert Montgomery was a sixth-round pick. Brian Westbrook was a third-round pick. Deuce Staley was the third-round pick. I mean, those guys those guys are there. Sean uh, was a great second-round pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and Shady, you know, and that's, so, I mean, those guys are there, and you don't have to go top five in the draft to find a good running back. So, generally, teams will draft other areas, and they'll go shopping for running backs day two, day three, and I think that's going to be true again this year. I would, frankly, be surprised if there's a running back taken on Thursday night in the first round of the draft. Yeah, I don't, I think they're going to go through, I think you're going to go through all of Thursday night, you're going to go through the entire first round, and I don't think there's going to be a running back off the board, hmm. um, but... I don't want anybody to conclude well there aren't any decent running backs in this draft because there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them, but that's just not how teams are evaluating players right now or valuing players right now. But the good news is, if you're looking for a running back, and who knows, the Eagles may be somewhere in the draft. Um, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of good running backs, and they'll be there in rounds two, three, four. They'll be there like a Kenny Gainwell kind of guy could certainly be there for you. And I'll give you my top five. Uh, to me, Brees Hall of Iowa State is number one. 5'11", 217. Guy rushed for 1,500 yards a year ago. Came back this year, rushed for 1,400 yards. A lot of people thought he could win the Heisman this year. Iowa State wasn't quite good enough to get him there. But he's a guy that's a good a good all-around, all-purpose back, a real workhorse, catches the ball well enough to, to stay on the field for third down, uh, and has some breakaway speed, too. So I have him as my number one, Brees Hall of Iowa State. Number two uh, is Kenny Walker from Michigan State. Uh, smaller version, 5'9", 210 pounds, uh, but makes if you if you've watched Michigan State at all this year you just see he just has an ability to make guys miss i think he made more tacklers miss this year in college football than any than any back i saw um, he transferred from Wake Forest came to Michigan State really thrived in their offense rushed for 1600 yards this year uh, and i think is in the right offense with his speed and elusiveness and his ability to catch the ball can be a kid that can come in and contribute right away uh, my number 3 is uh, is James Cook Who's the bro- who's the younger brother of Dalvin Cook, who's a, a really oh, good player in the well, NFL? I like him already. Really good player, and and James Cook was a kid that played at Georgia, and I've talked about Georgia endlessly about how good that team was, mostly about their defense, but James Cook was a big contributor on their offense. Uh, 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, I, I'm not going to say that he's as good as his brother. He's not, but he's still good enough to play and play well in the NFL. Uh, and he's not quite as big and thick and powerful as his brother, but he's got the same kind of elusiveness and good vision. So I think that he can come in and, again, in the right offense, be a real contributor. Um, I'm going to give you two guys here who are a little bit off the radar, but I think could be like third-round picks, maybe fourth-round picks. Damian Pierce at Florida, 5'10", 218. Got down to Florida and kind of got lost in all the personnel down there, which sometimes happens. They have a lot of talented backs. and really didn't quite get the ball enough, but this year... He only had 119 touches, but he scored 16 touchdowns. He didn't get on the field a whole heck of a lot, but he certainly made the most of the time that he got. Um, he, and one of the things I like about him is he he's, wasn't overused in college. He didn't get a whole lot of carries. He didn't get beat up. 
So he's, he's coming into the NFL with uh, not a whole lot of miles on the odometer. And I think sometimes that's an advantage. That's one of the things I worry a little bit about with Hall and Walker because they were very heavy-duty backs in college, carry the ball a lot. And sometimes that shortens their NFL career. Pierce, I think, comes to the NFL fresh, and I think he's ready to, I think he's ready to take off. And the other one is a guy that played on that Cincinnati team this year that I think people kind of had to pay attention to. They made it to the Final Four. They weren't a glamour team, but they were really good. They have a couple good players on defense. But Jerome Ford was the running back on offense. That was really, I think, kind of the key to their running game. I mean, every time they needed a big short yardage play, he got it. And that's what he's got. I mean, he's not super big, but he runs like a powerhouse back. He's 5'10", he's 210, breaks tackles, powerful, gets the short yardage, and is also capable of catching the ball and making the big play. But that's just my top five. But I'll tell you, Glenn, there are a lot of really, real. I think this is a really good running back class. People are going to conclude, well, one of them didn't go in the first round. How good could they be? No, there's a lot of talent here. And if you, want, if you need a running back somewhere along the line, I think you're going to be able to find a good win in round three, four, five, maybe. Nice. Well, and I would not mind if the Eagles took like one of those middle round picks and did it. That would be fine with me. Mm-hmm. A couple other developments going on with the Eagles as well, or, or non-developments as it were, because it's just stuff that's being discussed. The Eagles did not get Stephon Gilmore this week, who goes to Indy, and uh, Justina yeah. Anderson, the reporter, who I don't always trust, but I don't have a reason to believe she's lying here, uh, put out the word, Philly made a hard play but didn't get him. Uh, I don't know where that comes from, if it's his agent or somebody within the Eagles or something. But, right, this is the narrative that we've gotten all off season. The Eagles made a real good push for that guy, but he went elsewhere. Right. Which, the coming in second in these things does you no good whatsoever. No, no, there's no silver medals <laughs> in this. Uh, you either get the player or you don't. And a couple weeks ago, you and I were on, and, and, uh, and I brought up Stefan Gilmore's name. And I said, if I were the Eagles, frankly, I'm surprised that he's still available. Uh, and if I were the Eagles, I would be in there big time trying to, trying to make a bid to get him to come to Philadelphia. Um, because even though he's, you know, he's 31, uh, and you'd have Darius Slay at the one corner, and you'd have Gilmore at the other corner, and they're both on the other side of 30. But for right now, they're both really good. Now, you're not drafting them for the next five or six years, but for this year, um, you would have two very good corners. I really like Gilmore. Now, he was, had some injury issues last year in Carolina. Supposedly, he's over those now. None of them were long-term kinds of injuries. Um, but I, I, I really like him. I think he's smart. Um, I, I think he plays with a lot of uh, ferocity. Uh, plays with a lot of intelligence. Uh, and he's, uh, he's a lot like Slay. I mean, he's not afraid to take chances. He's not afraid to gamble. And he's a, those are the kinds of guys that make big plays for you. And I think he would have been a very good companion on the other side of the field. I thought, you know, if the Eagles were in the bidding for him, good. I think they should have been. Sorry they didn't get him. But maybe it just came down to Indianapolis just made a better offer. I mean, you know, 20, maybe, 23, mil, 23 million over two years, that's a pretty significant amount I know, of money. but this is what the market is now becoming, and the Eagles are getting nobody, and each time it's like, well, you know, the market really went crazy. Well, if that's the market, you got to get, you know, whether you're going for the wide receiver or the defensive back or somebody, you got to get him. One other uh, uh, thing of note, uh, there's a local guy has a podcast. His name is Victor Williams. I don't know him. I can't vouch for him. I can't vouch against him. Uh, I, I haven't heard his podcast. But he put out early this week on, on uh, Twitter, he uh, tweeted, Kyle Hamilton is a major reason why talks have seemingly stalled between free agent Tyron Matthew and the Eagles. Philly believes Hamilton could fall. Have to be a lot, uh, and they'd prefer to address safety in the draft before committing big money at that position. Now, why that's noteworthy is not because of this guy's opinion. Why that's noteworthy is because Honey Badger saw this tweet and responded, "LOL, yeah, right," <laughs> which means one of one of several things. It either means that that Tyron Matthew is insulted being compared to a rookie. Mm-hmm. It means that the local podcast guy knows absolutely nothing and is pulling it out of his rear end. Again, I don't know this guy. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. Don't mean to, I'm not meaning to rip this Victor Williams. I just don't know him. Or it could mean that, that the Eagles are, in fact, still talking to Tyron Matthews, so he knows that this is BS. Mm-hmm. I usually find that players should not respond to this kind of thing, but often they do, and I want the Eagles to sign Tyron Matthews. Yeah, well, Matthew's one of those guys that is very active in social media, so it doesn't surprise me that he uh, he acknowledged it. Uh, listen, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, they got they they got to find a safety somewhere. Uh, I mean, whether it's in the draft, whether they get lucky with Kyle Hamilton falling, uh, and look, he ain't falling. He ain't falling to fifteen. Okay, yeah. 
I mean, he his stock may be down a little bit. I mean, I've early like six weeks ago or so, uh, most mock drafts you saw had Kyle Hamilton, who's the safety, who's the six foot four safety from Notre Dame, going um, in the top three. I mean, he was a consensus. He was a top three pick, which was high for a safety, but he's he's a rare safety. He has some real special skills. But in his workout, he ran a slow 40, and as this thing always happens, then he started to drop, and then once he started to drop, people started to whisper, and then all of a sudden the drop became more accelerated. And now there are people who are talking about him dropping out of the top 10, which I can't imagine. Um, but if he were to fall to 10, 11, 12, um, look, he's not going to 15. That, that does not happen. But I'd say he gets to 10, 11, 12. Unlikely, but who knows. Um, you know, then the Eagles are in a position at 15. They say, okay, we'll take our first-round pick and maybe a, our, a third-round pick, mm-hmm. and we'll move up the three spots to get Kyle Hamilton. If, they can, if, if that's the way the thing plays out, then fine, you're getting a really good player. I just think that's very unlikely. Uh, I still think that Hamilton, for all, that's said and for all that's being said right now, I still think he's going to be top six. I'd be surprised if he was not. I so I think that if, given to me, the Hamilton thing remains a long shot. Matthew is kind of a sure thing. He's sitting right there. All you have to do is pay him. And he's a guy everywhere he's been, he's been a big contributor. And you talk to Andy Reid or any of the people in Kansas City, and they will tell you how much he meant to their team in winning the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in terms of making plays, being the leader. And right now, the Eagles secondary consists of Darius Slay, Avante Maddox in the slot, Anthony Harris, and nobody. Yeah, okay. Nobody. So Steven Nelson, who played the other corner, has already signed. He's left. He went to Houston. So you've got basically two open positions that you got to fill, and you either got to fill them with a rookie or a veteran, and I kind of agree with you. Of the veteran options that are out there, Tyron Matthew is the best one by far. Right, the thing you said, all you got to do is pay him. We've heard that a lot this offseason, and maybe it's time to do it. All right, we got to take a quick break. 215-592-9494 coming up. Oh, boy. A moment in Philadelphia draft sports history that we may or may not want to remember. We'll see how you feel about that. Ray and Glenn, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Time for this week in Philadelphia sports history. Brought to you by Shive Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or at ShiveSports.com. Ray, a lot of attention you and I are paying to the NFL draft it is coming up in 12 days, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the draft that will always be remembered, though, for Philadelphia and its fans. Ray, let us go back to 1999. It is the NFL draft. I guess they're still the Marriott Marquis in New York back in those days. Yes, they were. The Cleveland Browns take quarterback Tim Couch with the first pick. That didn't work out. Eagles fans, of which a bus... <laughs> organized by our pal Angelo, Mm -hmm. went up to New York hoping to hear the voice Ricky Williams called out next, but no, here comes the commissioner. The uh, second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Well, and Ray, with that... Kind of snowballs at Santa too was was born, the moment that we will never ever ever shake. Yep, yeah, we knew it. Um, yeah, I mean, you knew it. It's the instant it happened that he gets introduced, walks out on the stage, and there's this thunderous round of booing. Um, and the cameras caught caught our guys really well. Too. Yeah, the, yeah, the uh, the ESPN cameras immediately swung to the balcony where the dirty thirty were. <laughs> <laughs> were enraged uh uh and uh angelo of course in the middle of it and our good friend sean young in full in full uh, in full attire and face paint not his proudest moment yeah. no no and uh, as you know just sitting there watching it first of all I, I knew i knew going in that that's what the eagles were going to do um and so i'm just sitting there just kind of dreading it and sure enough the announcement's made McNabb was walking on the stage here comes the thunderous round of booze the cameras swing on them and then uh, all of a sudden, just add add another entry into the uh, into the national media ledger of Philadelphia sports <laughs> yeah. fandom. Yeah, and and listen, a couple things. McNabb era was very successful. They did not win a Super Bowl. He but he played ten years here, six Pro Bowls, runner up for MVP one season. They got to the Super Bowl one year. They won nine playoff games, lost seven. There were also more than a few worm burners and. 
you know, throwing up in the Super Bowl, which I never thought was a big deal, but a lot of people took that as emblematic of him choking. I took it as emblematic of just being gassed. Um, and to be honest, even after he came out with the number five, we'll always love you. We know he always held a grudge about that. Mm -hmm. That lived out and lived in his heart forever and became a thing. Other cities have booed their draft picks. Oh, yes. New York Giants fans booed when the Phil Sims got drafted. Yes. New York Jets fans boo annually, often for good cause. Well, I, I was there at the Marriott Marquis the year that they drafted Ken O'Brien and when they could have drafted Dan Marino. Oh, well, the fans were right to boo. And they were right about that one. Yeah. I mean, the fans, I mean, I really, I mean, that was the, the, the boos at the Marquis that day because the Jets fans, look, they needed a quarterback. And Dan Marino is sitting right there. And when they come out and they announce, the commissioner comes out and announces that the Jets select quarterback, and the crowd goes crazy because they assume it's going to be Marino. And they say, from Cal Davis, Ken O'Brien. I, I really thought the Jets fans, it was way worse than, than what happened with, with the Eagles and the Eagles fans. I mean, what happened in the Jets fans, I thought they were going to tear the marquee down. I really okay. did. But it stuck with us, right? Oh, sure. It didn't stick, and let, let's take those, that one out for a moment because they had cause. But I do remember Giants fans booing Sims because who was Sims? He was out of Moorhead State, right? right? Nobody right. knew this guy, and they booed. And Sims had a terrific career, and nobody talks about Giants fans booing. We get and will have it forever because that is our legacy, mm -hmm. and that was the moment. Yep, that was it. That was it. And I thought that you know the Philadelphia fans, you know, apologized to Donovan. Many, many, many times over. Um, you know, Angelo did. Um, the, um, I mean, nobody apologized more openly um, or unabashedly than Governor Rendell. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, because he, oh, he became he was, a Donovan guy. He, yeah, he was a then at the, you people guy. Yeah, but I mean, at the time, and he was mayor, uh, he was front and center on the Let's Draft Ricky Williams bandwagon mm -hmm. uh and he was very outspoken about it. it was a big mistake they shouldn't have taken McNabb they should have taken Ricky Williams uh and then over time when McNabb becomes the quarterback and then becomes a really good quarterback and starts taking the Eagles to championship games there became no bigger advocate for Donovan McNabb than Governor Rendell I mean so he and admitted openly like I was wrong I made a mistake Donovan was the pick the Eagles got this one right he said it over and over and over again, and I think a lot of people did. I mean, the city kind of bent over backwards to try and say, hey, listen, you know, we're sorry for that. You know, you've proven to be a, a really good player. We're glad you're here. And I, I always thought that Don made a mistake in just not letting go of it, you know, because he, he continued to talk about it all the way through his time in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I think there was a point where when the fans kind of came out and said, hey, listen, you're really good. You're our quarterback. We're happy you're here. You know, I think I think he should have just kind of met them halfway and said, "Hey, listen, don't worry about it. It's in the past. Let's just go win a Super Bowl." And he never quite got there, which We're I think, which I think was a mistake on his part. It was not going to happen. Let's go to Vince in the Northeast. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hey guys, how you doing today? Hi, Vince. We're good. Just a couple things, and I'll end up with the Tommy and me play I went to last night, Ray. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I'll get into some of that if you don't mind, but uh, just six or points and. Ray, you touched on it earlier. I think I think home home court advantage is going to be big here. I think we got to be up 2-0 heading into Toronto. I know we lose our best defensive player, one of our best defensive players. Uh, but I don't know if you guys get a chance to read the Inquirer today. I'm still one of the few that actually get it delivered <laughs> and went through the the articles and, and a great article on Embiid and his his dietitian and the process that he went through there to get back in shape and eat better. It's really worth reading. I think Mozell wrote it. But a good article there in the Inquirer. Okay. I didn't read it yet. I mean, that's great. I don't know that his diet's going to make the difference. Um, but, okay. Uh, what was your uh, what's your Tommy and me thought? <laughs> yeah, on, on the Tommy and me, uh, great. I, I've seen it before, right? Uh, this venue was great, the Playhouse. I went with some family members. It was great to see out of their eyes also. I thought it was wonderful. I, I thought I saw a serious Joe Conklin. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he was a little more serious than he usually is. You're correct. Yeah, he Joe, got a little Joe, was your, uh, <laughs> Joe was your guy last night? Yeah, Joe was our, our talkback host last night, and he was kind enough to drive all the way up to New Hope to, to join us. And, and you're right. He was, uh, he, was a little, he was a little serious about it, but uh, I was – 
the audience was delighted at him. He he did do a little Dick Vermeil for everybody. He did he did give him a little bit of his of his Dick Vermeil, which everybody really enjoyed. But it was it was really a fun night. I'm glad you were there, and I'm glad I'm glad you and your family had a good time. And today, and today, uh, yes, um, we have three more shows before we uh, before we close up shop at the Bucks County Playhouse. We have a performance today at two. We have a performance tonight at eight. And then tomorrow on Easter Sunday, we have the final show, which is at uh, at 2 p.m. All of this at the Bucks County Playhouse in New Hope. Uh, we've had a great theater. We've, uh, oh, God, is it a beautiful theater. And, and it's really nice, you know, walk around that neighborhood. So many places you get it either lunch before the show or dinner before the show or something after the show, and it really is terrific. It's, it's a great location, and having seen the play seven times, it remains uh, absolutely outstanding, both cast, direction, and all of that. Well, so. thank you. Thank you, Glenn. I want to tell people that there are tickets available still. Um, you can call up and order your tickets and drive up, or you can just walk up to the box office and buy them right before showtime. But uh, please come out. Three more shows, 2 o'clock today with Rob Cherry. Is going to be there. As, as, <laughs> he's going to be there for the talk back. Then we have the eight o'clock performance tonight, and then tomorrow's final show, two o'clock. Uh, and our talk back host will be uh, my good friend from uh, CN8 and KYW, Lou Tilly. Nice, very nice. Well, good stuff. All right, coming up, Ray. You and I both. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.